0: Welcome to Endurance Icons, where we sit down with individuals who are excelling and inspiring in the world of endurance sports. We're your hosts, Jessica and Mark Cullen. Our guest on the podcast today is Canadian distance runner, Natasha Wodak. She's an endurance icon to us because she's the Canadian marathon record holder. She recently ran a 2.23 in the Berlin marathon. She's a two-time Olympian running the 10,000 meter in Rio in 2016 and the marathon at the Tokyo 2020 Olympics, and she also has the second fastest Canadian half marathon time of 109.41. Welcome. We're so happy to have you on the show.
1: Hello. Well, thank you for that lovely introduction.
0: <laughs> well, you've had such incredible accomplishments. It was pretty easy to put together. Oh, well, thank you very much. <laughs> so
2: have you, uh, have you gotten sick yet of talking about uh, of Berlin, or is uh, the excitement still real these days?
0: You can never, say you're sick never. of
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it's been two months, which is crazy. Um and yeah, when I'm when I'm on my easy runs and I think about Berlin, I get, you know, I get excited. And I, I also like today I was I was doing a workout. And it was only my fourth workout back. I've been really slow um to get back into running and training. And I had like a it was like one, two, three, four, five, four, three, two, one like minutes. like that's nothing and in my five minute segment I was running like 328 kilometer pace and that was like (laughs) top end speed for me and I'm like how the heck did I run 324 kilometers for 42k like I don't know (laughs) so yeah
2: good little pyramid workout but a good lesson for (laughs) for athletes out there that to hit those highest peaks you need those valleys and and to take it back a little bit to to build because I'm sure you're you're not done with Ber- after Berlin and, and big plans to come, which we can dive in a little further on this, uh, this podcast here. Um, I think, obviously, the listeners want to hear about it. So let's hop a little bit into that Berlin race. Um, I think it, a, a big piece I'd like to kind of start on is um, about, a year, uh, about a year ago from this time, you had hired a new coach. Um, tell us why maybe you chose uh, Trent Stellingworth as kind of your, uh, your new coach.
1: Yeah. You know, um, I was just thinking the other day that it was pretty cool that within a year with my new coach, we were able to um, get that Canadian record. And I just think that that goes to show that um, there was a lot of collaboration between my old coach, Lynn, and Trent to make it such a smooth transition. And, um, you know, Trent wasn't throwing a whole new program at me. He took pieces of what I was doing and built it into the program that we did. So, um and Lynn was still very much in the picture my old coach so um grateful for that yeah Lynn was with me for almost five years and she retired from high performance coaching in September which um I was definitely heartbroken because she was such an amazing coach and like she's family to me I was just at our house the other night she was <laughs> dinner we had wine and champagne it was our celebration from Berlin but um yeah, I wasn't sure where I was going to go or what I was going to do. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I was 39 at the time. I'm 40 now. And I don't want to go and join a training group in the U.S. Like, I don't want to join a training group anywhere. I want to be at home with my partner and my cats. And I love living in Vancouver. So that limited my options of, well, what is a good coach for me here in on the West Coast in Vancouver? And... Like I've known Trent for like 10 years. He's been our, you know, our lead lead of IST integrated support team for all of the national teams that I've been on. He's our, you know, got a PhD in physiology. So I've known him from that standpoint. He's helped me. He had in the past helped me build my heat and nutrition plans for the marathon. So he knew very well, like what I was doing and and everything. And and I, I like him very much. So, but I, I, I didn't really know if he was coaching anyone besides Melissa Bishop. You know, that was kind of like his side gig, coaching Melissa Bishop. And so I was like, he was the person that we wanted. And I was like, I'm just going to reach out and see. Because he's in Victoria, which is just a short ferry ride away. Um, And so, yeah, I, I talked to Lynn about it, and she was really excited. And we reached out. Uh, to Trent and he was like okay let's have a conversation and then he had to have a conversation with Lynn and he had to have a conversation with his wife and there was a lot of a lot that went into this decision it wasn't just you know would it work for both parties we had a few face times he had a lot of calls with Lynn which you know it was ultimately a very smooth transition and um, yeah I've just gone in full trust and it's been great Trent is such an amazing coach and not only is he just like super smart and knows all the signs of the sport, but like he's got this sort of sensitive side as a dad of two young boys. And, you know, he gets the, the human part, the emotional part, which is it's hard to find both in a coach, uh, especially a male coach. So um, yeah, it's gone really well. And we found a, I I go over the Island sometimes he's come here for some big workouts. So it's gone really well and I, I, couldn't have asked for a better transition and cause it can be really difficult changing coaches. So I'm very grateful.
2: So when you go through that training um, you're working with him for close to like 10 months up to Berlin there, was there some, uh, some big changes to the training program? You said he, he maybe made some uh, just additions to kind of what you were doing before anything kind of jump out of, of some changes he made to, to optimize your training that you noticed?
1: Yeah. The one thing that sticks out that we did that was new was the double threshold days. Mm -hmm. Um, I know a few other athletes did the same, um, Melindy Elmore who had the cane record before me, she Mm -hmm. was doing some double threshold days as well. So that was very new to me. Um, it was hard, but I liked it. So that was one of the changes we made. Um, we increased my mileage slightly, but I think, um, that just happened naturally, you know, I It was only my fifth marathon, yeah, I think. And so we, you know, when I started training for Arizona in, in the fall of 2020, you know, I hadn't done more than 125K a week in how many years. So we couldn't jump that much, right? So it's been a slow build towards just a little bit. And when I say more mileage, I mean 160 was where we topped out, 160K. It was just more consistent weeks there. Um, but he still kept in my cross training, my elliptical. Um, yeah, some of our, we did a lot more long progression runs than I had done before, which I think was in the beginning, my most difficult run. I wasn't, it was the only time I wasn't able to hit the paces that had been assigned to me. And and I'm, that was very frustrating for me because (laughs) I usually execute every workout. Um, so, In the beginning, I couldn't hit the paces in the end of those long runs, and I hated it. But when I did get, you know, the the last few I did before Berlin, I nailed them, and I was like, yes. So, um, yeah, those were, the the, I guess, the main changes that we made there.
2: Nice. And you had, it looks like you had won the uh, Canadian 10 can kind of half marathon, um, championships kind of along the way were those like kind of starting to build your confidence with Trent early in the year that, that things were kind of moving in the right direction and kind of snowballed
1: into Berlin for you. Yeah. Um, I ran the New York half marathon in March and ran one And that was a really challenging course. So I think mm-hmm. in Houston or something, I think I would have been like low 69. So that was my first big race with Trent. And I was like, okay, this is going well, unfortunately, but the Boston marathon didn't go well. And I don't think that was any reflection of anything we we did necessarily. I just think it wasn't my day, which happens in the marathon, but we learned a lot from that. And I, one of the things I think with Boston that maybe went wrong is I, I don't know if I tapered as hard as I normally do. So this time for Berlin, we tapered really hard, just like we did the Olympics, just like we did at Arizona. And I do really well off of a big taper. So uh, now I know that about myself. And it can be a little strange in that final week when I feel like I'm doing almost like, like nothing, but that's what works for me. And I run really well off of it. So yeah, I'm grateful for, you know, my shitty marathon sort of to get it out <laughs> of the way and, and also to learn from it and you know, and trying to still getting to know me and what works for me as well. So I think we, we learned a little bit in that marathon build.
2: Nice. Um, so it sounds like prep went pretty well for Berlin. So going into that race, did you have like a already kind of a target in mind for like a, a number that you were going after or was it a little bit flex on the day?
1: Oh no, no. I was from the very first time you asked me what I was doing this year it was I'm going to Ber- the Berlin Marathon and I'm going to try and get the Canadian record.
2: Heck yeah, and I
1: love it. <laughs> I knew that's what I wanted to do, and I, you know, I, I did not take my place at the World Championships in Eugene so that I could try and go and run really fast in Berlin. That's what I wanted to do. So I was all in, whatever that took. And for me, that meant all summer I basically didn't race. I just trained. I stayed home in Vancouver and I trained my butt off, and but I loved it.
0: it's so remarkable I love the the confidence and going after a goal was there any did you ever have any doubt if you could make it or not or did you go into it being like heck yes I've got this it wasn't a question in your mind of course there's always
1: doubt you know like look what happened in Boston you know it was I was very confident I was fit to run 225 226 that day and I fell very very far short with a 235 and um, you know, you don't want to go in overconfident ever. It's not a good thing. I don't like being cocky, but it's important to be confident. You got to find that sort of mm-hmm. middle ground. Absolutely. Um, and I knew my training had gone really well this summer. And I, I, you know, you just sort of, you crunch the numbers and the numbers said sub 225, um, basically on paper, if everything went well, and I had it, my pacer and I got my fueling and the weather was good. And all these things, I wasn't too jet lag. All these things fell into place. I was like, "There's no reason why I can't run." You know, stop two twenty four fifty, which was the Canadian record. So I was, you know, I was pretty confident. I, you know, confided in a few girlfriends who asked me. I said, <laughs> "Yes, I I can do it. I I feel like it's mine to lose at this point. Like I felt like I was fit enough. I was ready enough. I just needed to execute. But it can be very difficult to put all the pieces together on the right day."
2: So you said that you've kind of made it sound like you needed the perfect day to to kind of make that happen. But when we, when you hear the stories about the day, maybe tell us a little bit about those missing bottles in the early stretch. (laughs) I think this is a very good lesson for people to say that like a day, like a Canadian record isn't necessarily the perfect day always. And it's what you make of it.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, there's always going to be You know something that's not perfect on race day or race week or whatever right you know and the week prior i had got gotten in a week early to berlin to try and like uh get used to the time change and i was having a really hard time i just was not sleeping well and i kind of panicked the day before the race because i hadn't slept well and um ultimately that night i ended up taking a sleeping pill i took a azoplicone which is not what you should do the night before a race but (laughs) Um, I was lying in bed with my partner, and I'm like, I can't sleep again. And it was pitch black, and I was crying. And he's a doctor, so I was like, Can I take Zopicone? And he was like, <laughs> He's like silent, right? And I'm like, Alan. He's like, I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> and meanwhile, not only is he thinking, he's actually also researching the half life <laughs> of Zopicone. <laughs> so then again, like a full minute later, so I'm like. Helen, he's like, okay, you can take half. So um I was I'm very grateful that he was there with me for more than that. But like, so I took half and I slept a solid five hours and I woke up. I'm like, I'm good to go, right? But you, it can leave you very groggy. And and so that was it's not ideal to take a sleeping problem the night before the race. But either way, I slept. I woke up, I felt great. Um in the race I had a pinch in my left glute. Uh been just like you've probably had it before where you're like and that's annoying and you're just waiting for it to release it took about 15k before i that kind of released. but um yeah the bottles was not having my first two bottles was definitely a distraction from the glue but yeah my 5k bottle wasn't there and then my 10k bottle (laughs) wasn't there and for those of you um that aren't familiar with how the elites uh work we get Tape bottles at every table every 5K. So I don't carry any gels with me. So when my first two bottles weren't there, I was like, shit, like my bottles aren't going to be here. And so I had kind of panicked, but in the moment, I was like, I need a gel now. So there was a group of guys that were running with me and my pacer. And they had just, like, random guys that just, like, were like, yeah, like, we'll try to run 224 too. Cool. <laughs> and so I asked these guys, I'm like, does anyone have a gel? And one guy was like, I have a Morton. And I was like, well, I've never tried it, but, hey, I need fuel, so I'll take it. So I took a Morton, which um, was fine. I uh, had no issues. And then when I hit 15K, my bottle was there, and my the rest of my bottles were there. So uh, grateful for that. But it was a little <clears> – <throat> Uh, A little bit of panic, but my pacer, Tony, had bottles as well, and his were there, so he could share with me, and there were gels on course, and I was like, if worse comes to worse, I can track down my partner who's on the course and see if he can go to a station and tell them, I don't know, so either way, I ended up getting my fuel, and (laughs) it was fine, but yeah, uh, the first two not being there was... uh,
0: You improvised well on the fly though. That's incredible to just ask for a gel, be willing to take it. I know, you know, it just shows the level that you're, you're a professional of being understanding you need fuel and just saying it's not there. So I'm not going to take it. That wouldn't have been an option or you would have had a very different outcome.
1: Yeah. I knew like, of course my coach is a scientist, right? So, um, I knew how important fueling is, especially in the early stages. So I knew I had to get something in me and, I also have tried a lot of gels and I've never had issues, so I was pretty confident Mm -hmm. that trying something new wasn't going to upset my stomach. And I also know that Morton, even though I haven't tried it, is one of the best gels and has, I believe, some research has shown the least amount of um, stomach issues and all the different Mm -hmm. gels, something along those lines. So you might know a bit more of that research than I do, but.
2: Yeah, we're definitely big fans of Morton. That's what we use in a, a bunch of our racing as well. So good choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so just finishing off kind of that Berlin conversation. So um you had taken it out in uh like one twelve twenty that first half, and then like what a negative split there. Um running like one ten fifty three in the back half. Did you just like what was your kind of mindset as you got through half? Did you feel you were in a great place and kind of how did the, the rest flow from there right to the finish?
1: Yeah, I definitely felt really good. Um, I was a little uneasy that we were on the slower end of where I wanted to be. I wanted to be 112 to 112.20. So we Mm -hmm. were at the very slowest end, and it didn't leave any wiggle room, right? As good as I felt, you never know, right? Mm -hmm. I could hit 38K and just, boom, be done. So, yeah, that made me a little nervous, um, but – I also felt so good. And so just after her around, yeah, 25K, I said to Tony, like, we need to pick it up. And I had my auto split off on my watch. So I was only getting the 5K splits. So I was like, they were mostly 17.05 to 17.10. And I was like, we need to start getting under 17 minutes for the next few. Um, And then it was 16.55. I'm like, perfect, right? I said that to him. And I would have been stoked if we had just continued to run 16.55 to 17. I knew we'd be in the low 224 range. I was like, yes. Um, But then at 30K, like, we just started moving. And there was girls, like, that we were passing other women. And so that's what we kept going for. There just kept being another woman in the distance. And I was just following Tony. And I didn't realize how fast we were running. And then I split the next 5K, and it was (laughs) 16.37. And I was like, Holy wow. crap, like, that was that was fast. We're moving, and I, th- that scared me a bit. So I was like, what if mm-hmm. we've gone too soon? Mm-hmm. You know, I always tell, I coach some girls, don't go until 35K, and here we have already started to drop the pace significantly at 30K. But, you know, I was like, let's keep going. Like, I still felt good. Like, I was still waiting for that shoe to drop, like waiting for that marathon fatigue to set in, and it just – it hadn't yet. So we just kept rolling – We passed another woman, and then I remember specifically it was around 38K. um, My brother was on course, and he was yelling, and he waved at me, and I waved at him, and I hit like a divot, and I kind of like – it was not a big deal, but you know when you're not looking and you kind of hit like a divot, and you're like, ugh. So then I tried to get my legs back rolling, and I think between that K, I thought that we had slowed down because it felt so hard. We'd actually sped up, I guess, and it was like a three thirteen or something. <laughs> I was like, oh gosh, I was like, human. I think, I think I, I didn't know at the time, but I asked Tony. I'm like, "Are we okay? Have we slowed down?" I felt like it, it got really hard, and he's like, "No, it was we're we're fine, right? We're going so fast." And he was cheering, and he was just like, "Come on, let's go, let's go!" And he was raising his hands to the crowd, and um, yeah, we were just rolling, and I just it's kind of a blur because I I remember it being hard, but I remember being like in control. Like Mm -hmm. I remember going through my checklist that Lynn had taught me so well, which was like when it got hard, what can you control? And so I remember in that moment being like, use Tony, right? I kept kind of coming up almost beside him a few times when it got hard, like, and I started to struggle and I was like, bring your arms in. What are you doing with your breath? Like, and so I was able to bring myself back around in those really hard k's. And when we got to 40 k And we ran 16.35 for that second 5K. I was like, whoa. And then I was doing some math in my head. I was like, no, you 223 range. You're going to run in the 223s today. I was like, what? And so you don't really, you don't have time for too much math, but I was like, just don't die. Cause I was still so scared, right? What if I blow up right now? And I was just like, and that last like 1K is like the straight shot. You're just running forever towards that gate. And Tony had now, like, pulled up next to me and was like, let's go, let's go. And it was just – my something happened in my foot, which I basically couldn't walk on for a few days after. But it was fine. I was like, just don't be like a planter tear. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, keep going. So, um yeah, I mean, it got hard in the end, but it never got like – I think I got a 321 between 40 and 41. So I didn't even – I just was slower than I had been the last 10K, so I was still just pushing. And I don't – to me, I'm trying to wrap my head around it. I don't understand how we ran that hard in the last bit, but it was fun, and I just kept giving her. And, um, yeah, and I finished. I saw the clock, and you can see there's pictures of me. I posted a few on my Instagram where I see the clock, and I Mm -hmm. put my hand up, and it was pretty shocking. I didn't think – like my dream race, I thought 223.45 would be like, damn. So yeah. to see 223.12 was like, oh, what? Like my brother texted me after and he was like, because he was there. And so they didn't really realize how fast I was running, right? Because they're like there. And he goes, is that, is that time right? And I was like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thanks it for the funny. vote of confidence. <laughs> yeah. Cause he knew what I was trying to run. Right.
0: So he yeah. was like, Oh, and he's not in, big into running.
1: So he yeah. was like, that was funny. <laughs> yes. <this.
0: laughs> so like, what did it feel like, like that it's you looking at the clock? Like what, what was your first, like, I don't know, three emotions when you crossed that finish line?
1: Um, I think happiness, of course, um, disbelief and at the same time relief, like mm-hmm. so much had gone into this. And I wanted so badly for it to go well and I had dreamt about it and so many people had invested so much in me and even like my parents, my partner, my brother, my nephew were in Berlin with me and like I wanted to run well for them and for everybody that supported me. So when I finished and I did it, it was just like, you know, relief that I was able to do what I knew that I could and yeah. And then just
0: like, what the frick? <laughs> I like, I'm amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's cool to hear you say that you felt in control the whole race because I I what you posted on social media afterward that you feel you felt like your body sort of broke down after that and it wasn't injury it was just literally like you rang every little bit out of yourself into that race. Um, what were the the few weeks after that um, and the recovery look like for you?
1: Yeah, it was, um, the next, the next few days were rough. Like I had quite a bit of pain in my right foot. Now, now I do have quite severe arthritis in my big toe joint in both my Mm -hmm. feet and I've had surgery on my right foot. So it's always been an issue. It kind of ebbs and flows between, but I think it just got really irritated and we're not sure what I did if I sort of strained a ligament or what I did, but it was pretty sore. And it's, been an ongoing battle since then um it's better it's not great i actually have an mri tomorrow just to like make sure that mm-hmm. it's not a stress reaction or anything like my partner's an orthopedic surgeon and he's telling me that it is not so last night i was like if i have a stress reaction and you let me run on this thing for the last <laughs> six weeks i'm sleeping in the spare room because i'm gonna <laughs> be that mad at you like that's exactly <laughs> what i said to him and we never fight so I was. he's like it's not so anyways, we'll see. I don't think I'm like, he's he specializes in foot and ankle as well. So I should really listen to him when he's telling me that. He's like, you have arthritis, you have old feet. Like, <laughs> So, um, yeah, my foot has been quite sore. Um, but we have a scale that we use. A lot of athletes do. If anything is more than a 4 out of 10 on the pain scale for like a number of days in a row, then like cut it back. So my foot's been between like a 2 and a 4. Um, And when i put on like super shoes and do workouts it's like a one so that indicates to me that yes it's the arthritis so either way um and i also have osteitis pubis which i've had for years but it's totally been under control until this marathon so it flared up quite a bit in my return to run so i had a lot of pain in my pelvis i had a lot of pain in my hip flexors and in my glute attachments so Yeah, it was sort of two steps forward, one step back. Every time I thought I would turn a corner the next day, it was just like, I could run 20 minutes and pain would hit like a five. And I had to be honest with myself and stop and be like, okay, that's enough for today. And so, yeah, it's definitely been slow going, but i honestly felt like, I did break myself and I got COVID in there as well. So um, yeah, that was not great either. So you had the kitchen sink
0: thrown (laughs) at (laughs) you. And I haven't had
1: COVID yet either, so yeah, that I'm just grateful that I got it now and not in the Berlin Marathon build because the fatigue was real.
0: Wow, yeah, it's interesting. Like when we talk to like top professional athletes, what strikes me is how many have medical issues, like you just described. And I think so often people look at you know their sports heroes and think that they're these genetically gifted gods that just have perfect days always, because that's the only way that they could run as fast as you did. Um, and it's, I think it's so similar to your race of just adapting, but I'd love to hear a little bit about how you manage um, through arthritis and how do you continue to perform at this professional level, um, despite all of these challenges that you face.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's important for people to know that everybody has something going on. It's very rare in marathon running that you're going to be like, nothing hurts. <laughs> like, in my dreams, right? Yeah. So, no, there's always, like, a little something that's, you know, especially when, when you're pushing your body so hard and in anything. So, um, yeah, everyone should know that. It's not like we're all running and pain-free. But I will say, like, the week of Berlin when I was, like, not – sleeping i was i was very grateful the runs felt so good like mm-hmm. i was just like oh my gosh like my body feels so good and it was scary because it felt so good so i was like okay you're ready to go so um besides that um i had all sorts of little little baby niggles along the way i constantly have something i mean i have that arthritis but um yeah one thing that that we've done a lot of uh, and if you follow me on social media you know i do a lot of cross-training um, I elliptical three to four days a week, always, um, sometimes when I'm away at training camps, it's less if I don't have access to elliptical, but, um, yeah, I throw that in there. It just takes a little bit less impact on the body and you're still getting your aerobic engine working and it's worked really well for me. So, um, I do a lot of soft surface running, um, uh, when I'm not doing s- specific sessions on the road, almost everything is soft surface. I drive to all my runs. So I always say to people, um, if you have the time, don't be lazy, drive to the trails, um, get on there. It does make it a big difference. I mean, if you're running on the pavement every single day, it's hard on the body. Right. So, um, yeah, that was some changes that I made in 2017 was the soft surface running, um, the increase in the cross training. I think that have made a big difference. Um, I'm very consistent with my physio, um, massage i do pilates which i think has i that's been something new over the last two years which i've really liked and i think it's helped with my um pelvic floor and like just my core uh stability so like that i do my strength training you know i think for a lot of runners that's the one thing that we let slide a lot is the strength training and like Pilates and yoga because like we're running we don't want to do anything like even yesterday i was supposed to do my strength training on my own and I didn't do it because I was tired and I like, I'm pretty good. I almost never skip it because, and on Thursdays I have like a strength coach that I zoom with. So the other times I was supposed to do it on my own, I'm pretty good about doing it, but I didn't. And I told my partner last night that I skipped it. He was, he made this face. He's like, you skipped something. And I was like, <laughs> I know I felt so guilty. Um, but that is the one thing that I think we let slide the most. Like I would never skip a run. If a run was on my program, I would never skip it. But strength is the one thing that you're like, oh, ah. So I think it's important to be consistent with that, um, which I usually am, <laughs> except yesterday. Um, yeah, so I think those are some of the big changes that I've made in the last five years that have helped me stay healthy. I also take a day off, like a lot mm-hmm. more than other runners do. Um, right now, it's every basically eight days. Um, and then during a marathon bill, it's every ten days. And so a lot of marathoners I talk to don't take like any, mm-hmm. which I would be broken physically and mentally, mentally more, I think. I love just a day. We we used to call it with Lynn. It was called Freedom Fridays. It was <laughs> always Friday. And so every Friday it would be like Freedom Friday and I just loved it. And I could do whatever I wanted. And it didn't have to do anything. Like I didn't have to cross train. I didn't have to I just ate, drank wine, whatever I wanted to do, you know. Hang out
2: with the cats.
1: (laughs) I actually volunteer on Fridays. So yes, I hang out with the cats.
0: (laughs) I love it. Um, I find it interesting. Like you make all of these choices because they work for you. Um, you get, you get pushback and everyone has an opinion. Um, You mentioned your cross training and people have an opinion. you think they three to four times a week, they say that's too much. They say that you, you know, take too much time off. Uh, You get a lot of criticism. How do you, how do you handle that? Because you're quite outspoken about um, your stance and, and what you believe uh, is right for you. How do you deal with, I'm going to call them the haters?
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously the 223 spoke for itself so yeah. this was all sort of stuff that i heard before like i'll be surprised if she runs well based off of how much elliptical she does and um like you know taking a day off every 10 days i mean i th- i think other runners don't do it because it makes them feel like they're losing fitness or they're lazy or they're And they showing
2: they're weak or something <laughs> yeah
1: yeah yeah and it's totally the opposite. I feel like it's a day to just let your body absorb all the hard work that it's done and for your mind to have a break and for you to reset and be focused on your next week of training coming in ready to go. So, I i mean, I can't stress enough how important I think it is to take those rest days. And I hope that I have inspired people that by me taking rest days, like you can run really fast and take a rest day, right? Mm-hmm. It's okay. And you don't have to run 200 kilometers a week. Some people run well off that, and that's great, but it's not the only way, you know. And so I hope that I, you know, have showed people that, you know, you can run a good marathon off of, you know, you need to run a lot, but you don't need to run that much. And also, one of the things that I'm 40, and I've been running since college, since high school. So I have a lot of mileage already in my body, already in my system. So I don't necessarily need to run as much mileage as somebody in their early 20s.
0: So how did you get started in the sport?
1: Um, I've just always been super athletic since I was a little girl. And I played soccer and basketball and cross country and track and all the sports. And so I was just, you know, good at them. (laughs) (laughs) And I had a lot of fun and... Yeah, um, but I'm grateful that in in high school, I continued to play metro level soccer up until grade 12. I played basketball into grade 12, so I didn't burn myself out running really hard at a young age. So, yeah, and then I went to school, um, University of Arkansas at Little Rock for a couple of years. Didn't like it, transferred home and finished off my degree at Simon Fraser University, where I ran on the track team there.
0: So you did a lot of track earlier in your career. What what was your path and what led you to the marathon? Yeah, I mean, I started back in
1: high school running like the 800, and then it was the 1500, the 3000. I even tried the 3000 steeplechase at one point. Wow. Uh, <laughs> one and done, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then we moved up to the 5K and then the 10K and I did do a marathon in 2013, Um and it was just uh it, it was okay i'm 235 and you know that was like nine years ago right nine years mm-hmm. ago so then running a 235 gb was pretty good right like um we've come a long way in the marathoning world since then but um yeah i uh i didn't really enjoy the training then um it was just a different time in my life and then i got injured and it I started running the 10,000 and it never seemed to be like a good time to go back to the marathon because I wasn't really willing to risk getting injured for the 10K. So I just kept running the 10K and putting off the marathon until the pandemic hit. And I was like, well, the only race that there seems to be is that marathon in Arizona. And so why don't I give it a try? I'm not getting any younger. So yeah, 12 weeks out, we started a marathon build and it went really well. And I was I had so much more fun this time around. Um, you know, I have a whole new team. I'm in a whole different place in my life and I had so much fun training for it. It was like, I had started a new event. Every workout was a PB and like, it was just so cool. Yeah, it was great. And then of course the race went really well and I just enjoyed it. And then, then, then I decided to do the marathon at the Olympics and I loved that. That was incredible. And I love training for it. And yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm addicted now, I think.
0: (laughs) So you've been to the Olympics twice, um, once in Rio, once in Tokyo. Um, what are your favorite experiences from both times? Because a 10, I would imagine a 10 K at the Olympics is very different than a marathon at the Olympics.
1: Yes. And they're extremely different Olympics because one Mm -hmm. was, you know, obviously during COVID. So Um, yeah, in Rio, the race went well, um, I'd had a really rocky buildup, so I wasn't sure what was going to happen. And I ran well for myself, not spectacular, but good enough. Um, and my parents were there and I had a lot of fun. Like we went to the Canada house and I went and watched other track events. And so I had a good, I had a lot of fun while I was there. Um, and in Tokyo, um, you know, we were in quarantine and we weren't even, we were in Sapporo, so we weren't even in the village. Mm -hmm. So it was a totally different experience. Uh, we weren't with the rest of the team. It was just the marathoners and racewalk. So we made the best of it. Um, you know, we watched the Olympics on our computers on CBC. What's it called when you like VPN. We all had a VPN. (laughs) And uh, I was like, what's it called when you steal the internet? (laughs) Um, So, yeah. And then that race was, it was what was different about the marathon than the 10,000 is I had done a lot of training with Melindy and not a lot, but we, I felt like we were running it together. And so I was Really, I didn't feel alone, even though we were, like, quarantined. So, and Melinda and I did run the first, basically, 16, 17K together of that race. So, it was nice to be able to do the marathon to feel a bit more of a team feel where the 10K was very, a little more lonely. I mean, I know Lani ran it as well, but she was also running the marathon, and so she had a lot going on. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, and I was much happier with my race at the Olympics in Tokyo than I was in Rio I had more confidence um I wasn't as nervous I was more confident like just older and more mature maybe (laughs) (laughs) we'll call it
0: experience yes Yes. (laughs) um so there have been a lot of improvements in female Canadian distance running recently what do you think is driving that
1: so I get asked this question a lot and I've thought about it and it's not just Canada that's the thing it's every country um every, female marathoning has just gone like this right like mm. the American record was broken twice last year right twice this year twice
2: yeah I think it's twice. so
1: yeah twice in the same year so it's it's everybody's getting faster um I think that in Canada we've seen a lot bigger jumps perhaps um and I just think that's because more women are running marathons. Like before it was like, that's too far and we just weren't running it. But I think Lani and Krista started this trend of like, yes, we can be good at the marathon. We can be good at the world stage and it's just sort of snowballed. And now we're all sort of inspiring each other and and it's really cool. And, and seeing what they're doing, you know, in the U S and all over the world, like women are just running so fast and makes you want to Try and run fast too. Like I saw, you know, Emily Sisson runs two eighteen. I'm like, can I get down to two twenty? Like, I don't know. <laughs> like who knows? I I would have told you you were crazy in 2013. And if if someone had said you can run two twenty three in nine years, I would no chance. Mm-hmm. And also, like the shoe technology, you know, you
2: can't.
1: <laughs> that is a huge part of it as well.
2: So, is it um, which super shoes to use? Is it the six?
1: yeah i'm with a6 so nice. i wore the metaspeed sky original not the metaspeed sky plus and i really mm-hmm. like it it's great shoe
2: nice um the other thing you touched on it a little bit that you and Melindy kind of like were working together in that one marathon the coolest thing i think i've seen in the like canadian female distance running following a number of you on social media and hearing podcasts and stuff like that is there it seems like there really is this like cool camaraderie between you guys and like you want each other to like almost break somebody's record. Cause you know, it's like taking that next step. Is that, is that the case? Like do you, are you guys reaching out to one another and cheering each other on often?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Like Andrea Sikapian who broke my 10k record and my half marathon record on one <laughs> second. Um, <laughs> you know, like she, that year she came and stayed at my house for 10 days when so she was cool. in Vancouver. Like we're all friends. Like we all want each other to run well. Um, records are meant to be broken. Um, you know, Melindy not only wished me luck before Berlin, she was one of the, you know, first people to congratulate me the next day. Um, you know, that also comes with a sense of confidence that I know she has, that she's like, all right, well, I'm going to get back. (laughs) So you enjoy it. Well, you have it sort of thing. (laughs)
2: Um,
1: yeah, you know, we are friends at the end of the day, we're all competitive. And when, when we're out there, um, I think the Olympics and like world champs are a bit different because we can run better if we work together, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not as in direct competition, but somewhere like, if she had been racing Berlin against me, it would have been more like, no, like I'm getting that record today. You're yeah, not like, you're doing your own thing. Yeah. But, um, I think going forward, like we both, I think, want to do like with Melinda and I, like the same, you know, we want to run in Paris. And so I think, I, I would like to be able to work with her. Like, we're hopefully gonna go to Palm Springs for a little training camp in January. Like, you know, we train really well together, which is awesome. Like, I love mm-hmm. doing sessions with her and you just get better together. Like, I know it's like corny that better together, but it is so true. And I was just in Victoria this past weekend, uh, training with my team. Um, and Gabrielle Stafford is one of my teammates now, nice. as well as Jen, Genevieve Lalonde and oh, cool. Julie the Box. So, you know, Jen's a Canadian record holder in the Three Steeple. And then I've got Gabriella, who's the 5K 1500. I'm like, mm-hmm. this is quite the team. And we did this long progression run together. And it was just so awesome to be able to, like, work together with, with these girls and, and help each other when we can. And yeah, I think the Canadian run community is truly special. And we, you know, we are friends. And I, did, I have been in it a long time. So I do know I know a lot of these girls from before we were ever good, I guess you could say, before we were, you know, just, yeah, like, I remember me and Lani, Lani telling me she wanted to run a marathon back in, like, 2011, and I laughed at her. (laughs) (laughs) And here we are.
2: (laughs) You guys um, obviously live in different parts of the country, but it's so cool to see, like, everybody, it seems like a lot, even on the female side, are coming, like, back to Canada. Like, you mentioned Gabriella, I think she was down in, like, the States there with... um, Mm -hmm down in like portland there and stuff it's why do you think um some of the athletes are coming back to canada to train is it because you have that new teammate camaraderie or is there um is the coaching improving or what do you kind of chalk that up to
1: yeah i think um the more successful the canadians are that live in canada the more it's like yeah we've got good coaches here we've got Mm -hmm. good programs here and it's canada it's a great place to live and if you're canadian you know you you want to be living in your own country, closer to your family and friends? You know, for me, a big part of why I don't do a lot of training camps. I don't go to altitude a lot. I like to be home. I like to be near my friends and family. That's important to me. So I feel like maybe that's a pull for some other people. And I think we're creating a really great team and program in Victoria. Um, we have a name coming out soon. With Nate, we have a team name now. So, yeah, like, so Trent's wife, Hillary coaches, Jenna Lone and Kate Ayers. And then we have me and and Gabriella and Melissa Bishop and Julie LeBox. So there's a good squad of us that can all work together. And, um, yeah, I mean, why travel when you have great facilities here and great coaches and great women to run with? That's and the awesome. big boys that we can put out there sometimes to chase. So,
2: <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, so, Talking kind of next steps in, in your kind of training and plans coming up, are the, is the focus go right away towards like another Olympics or do you have some other, uh, kind of goals coming up in the, the shorter term?
1: Yes. The golden question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, everything in the next two years is geared towards Paris. Mm -hmm. Um, so this year is about what can we do to make it easy, the easiest to qualify but at the same time, I told Trent, and when we started working there last year, like I'm 40, I'm turning 40, I've been to two Olympics. Like, and that last Olympic build was long. It was like five years, right? Mm-hmm. And it's stressful. And I don't like everything being about the Olympics all the time because it takes some of the fun away from the sport. Mm -hmm. So I just, you know, I I was very clear with Trent that I wanted, I want to be successful. I want to perform at the highest level, but I want to have some fun and I want to do things that I want to do, which last year meant I want to do Boston and I want to do Berlin and I do not want to do world championships. So that was, you know, not a lot. Some people were like, I can't believe you're like, not going to run world championships. It's like I've run four world championships. Like, I've done it and now I want to have the opportunity to run really fast and run a world major and things like that. So um I want to have some fun in the spring. I don't know what that's gonna look like. Um I've considered running world clock world cross country championships in Australia if they mm-hmm. were to select me. I unfortunately I can't race in the championships this weekend because I'm not I like I'm not ready, right? So but in their criteria they have. Two spots that they can dis- they can select people at their discretion that they think would perform well. So um, I feel like that would be. I love cross country. I've been to three World Cross Championships, so that will be something that I would consider doing. It's in February. It's a great way to build strength, and then you know maybe run some half marathons. Um, I do want to run World Championships in Budapest. I want to run the marathon there. So as long as I'm selected, um, I will go and I will race that. Um, and we're still waiting for criteria to come out for world champs and for the Olympics. So it will change the way I do things. Um, I do not think that, uh, Toronto will be a marathon selection anymore. So, uh, that makes it easier for me to decide to do world championships in Budapest because they're at the end of August. And then, um, yeah, we might try and fit a marathon in this spring if we need to. Um, and if Worlds doesn't go well, um, who knows? Maybe try to squeeze in Houston. Like, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, right now the main goal, I think, is to run really well at World Championships next summer and compete well in my top eight, hopefully.
2: That is great. Um,
1: (laughs) I'll be cheering for you.
2: Yeah, you got (laughs) that. I think there were so many good um, sections in those last couple segments that I think a lot of like recreational and professional runners can take out of that. Is that like... First of all, the like fun piece, you actually aren't just doing things because they're the most epic things. Like I need to do every world championships or every Olympics, like um, that fun piece, but also that balance piece you talked about of like everybody always wants to go to the extreme and hit those altitude camps and those peak uh peak training weeks I think it's like really refreshing to hear somebody take like a very balanced approach that wants to live at home live their life like you're just so real on social media (laughs) and that you like do cross training take a day off like I think there's so many lessons people can take from the the way you're approaching thing and still obviously hitting like incredible incredible performances hitting a 223 marathon so I think uh it's some cool lessons people can take out of this for sure
0: And the fact that you've mentioned wine, like three times on this podcast, like (laughs) I I know for a fact by following you, you love wine. So I guess that, I think that might surprise some people, um, because they instantly think that, you know, to be a high performer, you need to live, I'll say a monk like existence. You have, you have fun, you have fun in your training, but you also have fun in your day to day. You play with your cats, you drink wine, um. What is your sort of recipe for that balance and sort of your, your rules around that, if you have any? Um,
1: I don't like rules. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, you know, when I started training with Lynn back in 2017, um, I was pretty burnt out and like, I want to have, I want there to be more fun in this. And she was, she was great. Like, she was like, there's a way that we can do this and it can be fun. And that's how she did it. know back in her day and she's an Olympic medalist so um yeah like I I just think the balance is so important and you you know I do I do when it gets into the nitty-gritty like I am very serious and I I I think people see that you know I'm not drinking wine every night and stuffing my face with ice cream but (laughs) I definitely you know throughout the summer I was having a glass of wine like four or five nights of the week. And that was, mm-hmm. you know, in the thick of things. Um, and I would have ice cream and I, I do those things. I really enjoy a nice glass of rose on the patio. Like, but am I getting drunk? No. Um, am I having, you know, like right now, I might go, you know, I'm off season. So yeah, I might go out this weekend and have a bottle of wine with my girlfriends. Sure. <laughs> but like I'm never drinking to the point that I'm drunk or that I'm hungover. And so I think that's important. Like binge drinking is very hard on the I do know that. And I do know that drinking too much alcohol is just not a good thing. Like overall, so I know my limits. Um, and I don't ever like encourage people to, to, to drink if they don't want to, but like, I just do what I do and it works for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I do when I get like, like four weeks out, I, I am very a lot more particular with what I'm putting into my body. Um, Every, you know, I just want to make sure I'm fueling properly and recovering properly, doing everything that I can to get the best out of that. But I do still have wine. <laughs> but like I said, like, you know, end of a nice training day, I feel properly. I've had a great dinner. I've drank all my electrolytes, my water. Okay, I can sit on the patio and have that nice glass of wine. And um, that's what works for me. And, um, yeah, I like, you know, you were talking about training camps and whatnot. And... <clears throat> There's an opportunity to go to Kenya this January to do five weeks. Um, Gabriella and Rowan are going, and Coach Trent's going for a little while. And um, my partner can't go. He has to work, um, as most people do. (laughs) And I didn't know what to do. I was kind of on the fence, like this is a great opportunity to go to Kenya. But ultimately I had to decide I know myself, and what's best for me is I – didn't want to go without Alan. I didn't want to go without my partner. And I kind of was worried, like, I, you, you should do this because this is like, be brave and go and do this camp. But I was like, no, you know yourself and you know that you're, you're not going to enjoy it. It's going to be really difficult. Yes, it'll be culturally great and all these things. But at the end of the day, it will be really difficult for me. And so I just know what works for me. And that comes from years of doing some training camps and being like, I'm not happy here. And i'm happy at home and i train well at home and vancouver is one of the best places in the world to run so mm-hmm. i'm like i'm gonna do what i that i know works and what makes me happy so and that
0: seems to be the secret of your success you follow what makes you happy and you have a, enough experience to know what those things are and mm-hmm. you have the confidence to not need to apologize for it and i think that that's one of the reasons you are so inspiring to us um i think that more athletes need to take that on because you can still run a 223 marathon and and hit a record drink wine and not need to go to follow you know where where everyone else is and so i think that that's what makes like why i love following you on social media and why you're one of my i i'll say icons so thank you, thank you. who <laughs> who is your endurance icon Um, well, definitely Melindy.
1: I know that we're like, you know, I guess equals, but I always sort of put Melindy up on a pedestal that, you know, Mm -hmm. she's always been one year older than me. I've been racing her since grade nine and she was in grade 10 and she's just always sort of setting the bar and been so exceptional at what she does. But it's not just that she runs really fast. It's that she's just a really great human being and she really cares for. Uh, the people that she runs with and is, is a, a good ambassador for the sport. Um, so, you know, she's been always been someone that has inspired me. Um, and, you know, like Shalene Flanagan, ever since she won the New York marathon, like I've always loved her and I've got the opportunity to meet her several times. And she's given me a hug a couple of times too, which is really <laughs> cool. So, yeah. <laughs> and of course, like Lynn Kanuka, I mean, she's a freaking legend. And the things that she was able to do back in the 80s, I saw her spikes the other night. I'm like, how'd you run four flat in these things? Like, yeah. it is incredible. Like, and she put on a super shoe for the first time ever this week. And she's like, well, oh, these are like clouds and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah. Like, and she still holds the Canadian record in the 10K on the road in 31, wow. 31.44. She ran that over like 30 years ago in whatever flats were available in that day so like and she wasn't a 10k runner like she's just she's just epic so um i've always looked up to her obviously and i'm so grateful that she's been like a mentor and and guided me and molded me
0: so well she deserves icon status for sure (laughs) yes (laughs) well thank you you should have her
1: on your podcast she is amazing
0: we'll add her to the list I have to say there's a reason we asked this question because if we ask inspiring people who inspires them it's hard not to have really great people on for interviews so thanks for that we'll definitely ask her awesome well thank you so much for coming on the show we really appreciate it this was this was awesome to be able to sit down with you
1: It was fun chatting. I uh, always like talking about Berlin.
0: (laughs) Wow, how amazing was that? It is such a privilege to be able to sit down with these icons and have conversations that are that inspiring. I don't know about you, but I learned so much from that episode today. As we look towards the holiday season, I just want to say thank you so much for all your support. We're such a new podcast and we're just getting started, but it means so much to have each of you supporting, liking, subscribing and commenting on our posts and most importantly listening every single week when we drop this episode if you want to give us an extra special christmas present all we would ask is that you subscribe to us on youtube that you give us a five-star rating on whatever podcast platform you listen to Uh, this is relatively new and this is completely a passion project for mark and i so it would mean the world to us if you would support us in that way Wishing you all an incredible holiday season with your friends and family. Happy training and we will see you next week.